was a school, in fact, that I have never even heard of before. And I realized that I did not put myself live until right now. So many of you were probably confused. <laughs> if I should start over, um, only my neighbors heard me just talking. But uh, welcome to the New Standard Podcast. I am Neil Kulong. I am going to be your solo host today. Lance Williams is out on assignment. And Lance, of course, is the one who figures out the technical things like uh, putting the person live in camera so they don't just talk to themselves for three minutes like I just did. We're off to a, a roaring start here. Hopefully Lance is watching. He hasn't made fun of me yet. So um, <clears throat> again, yes, uh, my name is Neil Kulong. You are listening to the New Standard Podcast. You might be watching the New Standard Podcast live. We do this Wednesdays, 10.15 a.m. Eastern Time, 7.15 a.m. Pacific. Please feel free to tune in next week. This is going to be a Super Bowl preview of sorts. We're going to go over Steelers stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about the Steelers situation as far as uh, their linebacking group, both coaching and players. We're going to talk about a potential senior assistant title that that they may or may not choose to use on somebody that uh, Steelers fans will be familiar with. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl itself, and we might even throw in little bits and pieces of how far the Steelers are away from playing in that game next year. My name, Neil Kulong. You are listening to the New Standard Podcast. Let's dig into it. News and notes. I think the biggest thing here is the Minnesota Vikings hiring of now former senior defensive assistant slash linebackers coach Brian Flores from the Steelers. Big promotion for him and good on him for doing it. He's a man who absolutely deserved it. We hope good things for him here in the land of the frozen north. The Vikings uh, bringing in Flores to help with a defense that probably needs a pretty good overhaul. Their uh, their secondary in particular. Expect the Vikings to address um, cornerback probably early and often in this coming draft. It's something they're going to need to do. He did not have oversight over the defensive secondary in Pittsburgh, but Flores brought along a group that's helped see substantial improvement against the run in 2022 versus before he came. That alone, I think, is enough for commendation for Flores. I think it's enough to say uh, he's aware of different schemes, different structures. There are different things that he can work in and make himself a positive leader, positive coach within a team. What does that do for the Steelers, though? Because the Steelers, uh, within their their inside linebacking group in particular, have an interesting situation. Not only have they lost their coach, they are probably losing one of, I think it's fair to say, the more controversial players the Steelers have seen in the last couple of years. That, of course, is former first-round draft pick, the highest Steeler selected in the first round um, in a a very long time. I think probably back since Ben Devin Bush, who is a pending free agent looking into free agency. And it's tough to see many situations in which Bush would be back. I don't know the specifics. I was on the fence about Terrell Edmonds last year, another former first round draft pick uh, for whom the team turned down his fifth year option ended up signing Edmonds back on a one-year deal. Bush is in the same camp that Edmonds was last season. Both of them now are free agents, like many of the defensive players the Steelers have. It's going to be a very interesting offseason, and I think while the Flores move was more or less expected, 
um, certainly a, a, a man in high demand. He was, he interviewed twice and was le- allegedly a finalist for the Cardinals head coaching position job that has not been hired as of yet. What do they do from a personnel perspective? My guess would be you are probably not bringing back Devin Bush, uh, but money talks. This is a player that uh, is familiar with what you've been doing. You're familiar with him. You were in charge uh, or you oversaw his rehabilitation from a torn ACL. You know him physically, you know him mentally There's some value to bringing a player like that back, but price is going to be the concern. You also have to look at what the market is going to pay a player like Bush, who has, I think it's fair to say, woefully um, uh, fallen below expectations for where he was drafted, number 10 overall, out of Michigan back in 2019. That does not mean, however, he's junk. He's not worth um, bringing in at all, but... We'll see. I would not expect him to be back. But the main thing that I want to underscore here is the most solid linebacker from 2022 that they have. uh, The most solid bet to be on the roster next year is probably former seventh-round pick Mark Robinson. Robinson, you might remember, is the player who at one point in his collegiate career played at a school I've literally never heard of before. He was a running back eventually worked himself up and he became an SEC linebacker. Um, excellent athlete, good instincts. He's a, a he, I think he's the definition on the team right now of a, 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 a contact courage type of guy. He wants to hit, he wants to get in there. Um, they reduced Devin Bush's role against the Ravens in a must win game, a run heavy, uh, a very disciplined run running team. They put Robinson in there, and he had a play or two. wasn't too bad. You weren't unimpressed entirely, considering he's a seventh-round pick who hasn't played all season. You saw issues, um, plenty. There were a lot of issues, to be fair, that this was not a a perfect game. Um, Neither was the second game that he played either. There's a lot for him still to work on. But I would say he is the most solid returning guy because, one, he's under contract, which not many of them are. Two, it's a cheap contract. So right there, you are defining things that cannot be said about Devin Bush, about Robert Spillane, and about Miles Jack. What do you do with Miles Jack? Big contract coming. Did he live up to exactly what you brought him in to do? I'm not sure. I think Jack was okay. He, he did the things they asked him to do. He was a tackling machine. He made up a lot of ground that they didn't have last season. Not the best comparison, but if, if, if take the dollars out of it. You compare Miles Jack to Joe Schobert from the year before, they made a, a tremendous improvement at that position. Do you bring him back again on a raise? I don't know. I think that's up in the air. I think um, I, I'm not sure what they'll do with that, but I think the inside linebacker position is going to be one they're going to have to address in this draft, if not for – um, they'll, they'll need to bring in a veteran. I would imagine they would want to do that, but one to play a bunch of snaps, it would be the third year in a row that they would have, that they will, will have done that. That's not typical for, uh, the Steelers organization that has really been searching for some type of solidity among the Steelers inside linebacking position since the injury of Ryan Shazier, uh, switch gears a little bit. What the the uh, the departure of the senior defensive assistant, which is kind of a new title in the NFL, I think they give 
to somebody who's not going to be the coordinator immediately, but it's somebody that they want to have on staff, i.e. Brian Flores. Before that, um, you, you might recall, um, the Steelers have used this title before, and it, it's up in the air that they might use it again. They could, at least. You think of it in dollars and cents, that uh, if, if we can assume, rightly so, that the senior defensive assistant is paid more than a position coach is, perhaps is you know around the level of a coordinator, just to keep the, the guy interested, that money is available. Do they want to use it again? I don't know. They haven't used it very much. Um, we have currently seen the Steelers defensive coordinator uh, play on that title. It was a thought that maybe Brian Flores was brought along with that title because there might have been a change there at some point. But if we were to ask anybody which coordinator in Pittsburgh is more on the hot seat, offense or defense, I don't think anybody is going to say defense. Clearly, it's our buddy Matt Canada. Matt Canada, as you might recall, was given something of a vote of confidence, as in he's going to return for this season, but his contract is up after this season. The Steelers have hired multiple offensive coordinators lately internally from typically their quarterback position coach. Here's a thought. Byron Leftwich probably didn't have the best season in Tampa Bay, but he certainly did the year before that. A bright, up-and-coming offensive mind. He's worked with high-level coaches. He's worked with high-level players. If he's somebody that you kind of want to, to think to be your offensive coordinator and you're the Steelers, it makes a lot of sense to kind of run him in the same uh, progression that you have with the last two. Now, I'm not saying uh, the best idea here is to do that. I'm just going by precedent. Rick Pickner did this, and before, and, and, and obviously Canada did it as well. If you're looking to do that, why not bring Leftwich along as a, quote, senior offensive assistant, whether that's quarterbacks, whether they can call it whatever they want. There are no rules to this. You have him in line for when Canada's contract is up. You don't have to really pay as much as you would have if you fired Canada and replaced him with Leftwich, and you give him a year to get used to Kenny Pickett, to get used to the offense, and with that, kind of have the, the door open for, for options next season. Will the Steelers do that? Totally different story. Leftwich is reportedly um, kind of asking, sniffing around Notre Dame if they would like an offensive coordinator. Tommy Reese went to Alabama. That job is open there. That might be something that uh, interests Leftwich more. I don't know. I haven't spoken to him. So I'm not sure. I just know that uh, the Steelers probably uh, could make some hay with Leftwich uh, without the pressure immediately of running the entire offense. And with Canada's contract situation, I think you're bolstering uh, your options for next season if you were to do that. Any thoughts at all that you guys have, please drop them in the comments. Again, my name is Neil Kulong. You are listening to the New Standard podcast. Co-host and stalwart of the show, Lance Williams, is out on assignment today, which is not him going with his wife to a hotel to do taxes like he did last time. It's more like the time he was out working in, in covert ops for the CIA in the mountains of Afghanistan. All I know is that he is not here today. I am flying solo, but the good news is I do have a special guest with us. He's here now. I'm going to pop him into the screen, which I didn't do for myself at the beginning of the show. I still can't believe I did that, but this is Mike McDaniel. Sports Illustrated's Mike McDaniel. 
Huge fan of his work. You should definitely check it out. Mike McDaniel SI on Twitter, as he will tell you there. Not the Dolphins head coach. Fortunately, he looks uh, probably 10 years older, but that's a good thing. That's a compliment, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, excited to talk Super Bowl, Steelers, everything you got going. So. You bet. It's, it's, uh, it's the weekend for that, for sure. The sad thing is, this is the end of the season. You know, this, this always kind of gets me. It, it really doesn't ever feel like the end of the year is that far from the beginning of the year. The middle part of the year is what kills you. When you know, the, 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 um, the clocks change, uh, days end a lot earlier, it gets colder. You kind of slog through the middle of the schedule. The end of it kind of picks up and, and things get a lot more exciting. It's kind of like the Steelers, except now living in Minnesota, my reward is probably another five weeks of bitterly cold weather but mike i'll tell you what it's going to be like 43 degrees here do you have any idea how nice that is in february it it feels like 70 i'm oh, sure um i live in virginia it's going to be 65 here today so i'm not hearing you at all i don't 65 i'd be out grilling right now are you going to grill today that's what you should do <laughs> I'll, I'll find something to do maybe go hit some i'm, I'm a golfer so maybe go hit some balls at the driving range or something there you go see i bet you see grass I bet you yes, see grass. I'm looking I at do. 30 inches of snow in my front yard. Yeah. It's fantastic. But Mike, I wanted to, to pick your brain a little bit here. I know that um, you are probably not, should be, but probably not exclusively covering the six-time Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers. But um, from an eagle eye perspective, why don't you tell us a little bit about Kenny Pickett? What did you see from him this year from an objective standpoint? What did you like? What did you not like? whatever insight you might have. Yeah. So a couple of things. Um, I, I went to Virginia tech. I'm a graduate of Virginia tech. I watched a lot of Kenny Pickett in college when he was at Pitt. Um, Kenny Pickett was a guy who for the majority of his college career was really just known for the upset against Miami when he was a freshman, because other than that, he was kind of a mediocre quarterback until he came back for his, for his fifth year at Pittsburgh. Um, he just kind of blossomed into this quarterback that I think everybody was kind of expecting him to be the entire time he was in college. Right. Um, he was a bit of a late bloomer. Um, he was a, a highly touted recruit out of New Jersey. Um, so when he came to Pittsburgh, I think people were expecting more out of him for the majority of his career. But then of course he's a Heisman finalist his last year, um, obviously led Pittsburgh to an ACC title. And then all of a sudden he's on everybody's draft board. Right. Um, a guy that I think a lot of people expected to do big things now kind of blossoming into this guy who, you know, people could envision as a quarterback at the next level. So then he comes to the Steelers and, you know, doesn't win the job out of camp, which I don't think was a huge surprise, but it didn't take too long for Mike Tomlin to insert him into the starting lineup. Right. And I thought kind of given the circumstances and, and, you know, how he, you know, kind of was just thrown in there. I thought he played pretty well. Um, you know, a lot of potential there with Pickett. I mean, there, there's clearly untapped potential. He's clearly a late developer. I think that, you know, Steelers fans are likely pretty happy with what they saw overall. Um, I'm not sure what their expectation level was, you know, if they hadn't followed Pickett all throughout all throughout his collegiate career, you know, in that he was just kind of this mediocre quarterback that became pretty good pretty quickly. Um, and, and I think that, you know, Coming into the professional level, I, I know my expectation was that 
it might take a little bit of time, but I think the potential is there and you can't give up on this guy too quickly because we saw what he was able to do in college. Um, but I think, you know, the way that he played this year, um, the, the way that he looked in Canada's offense, uh, I, I think Steelers fans should be pretty optimistic with what they saw overall, especially when you consider kind of, you know, the state of the running game at times and, you know, how the offensive line looked at times. I, I thought they protected him okay, but then there were other games where he was getting killed. I, I just think that there is definitely some potential there with Pickett. And I think Steelers fans need to be patient because I do think this guy could develop into a pretty good quarterback, pretty high-level quarterback. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think the, the way that I saw Pickett as well, and, and we saw this play out during the season, he got better um, as the season went on. And what was even better about that is then we saw him get better as games progressed. And I think that is the mark of a great quarterback. The more information that he kind of gathers from the game, the more he's using that later in the game and, and the better he gets. Um, he could start a little better. I think <laughs> you were, you were worried a few of those games, but he had his best stuff at the end and, and yep. you have to like that um, to, to shift gears on that slightly. Cause I can't say the same thing about, um, embattled backup Mitch Trubisky, the guy who started the first five games of the season to be replaced at halftime of game five. He's a free agent. He's scheduled to make $8 million this season. My contention is this, and I, I'd like to get your thoughts on it as well. Pickett had two concussions in about a seven-week period of time. He missed game action. Trubisky played and played reasonably well coming off the bench. That was in wake of Mason Rudolph having been demoted behind these two players, despite being the guy who was there before. You have Pickett fairly entrenched as, as the starter, but then you've got free agent Rudolph, who's been with you the longest. You've got second year now, Mitch Trubisky, who seems to, to, suggest uh he's kind of bitter about how this all went down apparently he thought he played pretty well or at the very least he was following the orders that the coaches gave him and i don't know if that's exactly what a quarterback should do either but trubisky is uh set to make eight million dollars in base salary this year going off of the market uh, a market trubisky helped set last season for that mid-tier level quarterback who may or may not be a starter for your season the value of that is probably somewhere between five and eight million dollars a year. We've seen that with uh, Andy Dalton contracts, things things of that nature. Trubisky is going to be one of those types. So, the thought that I have is Trubisky is a valuable backup for the Steelers in that they know him, they know he knows the team, he knows the personnel, he's performed reasonably well, and. Believe me, Mike, nobody bashed Mitch Trubisky more than I did. Nobody. I was livid with that last year. That's We'll have to go back and, and replay that podcast. I was like out of my mind mad about that. And that was like the fifth time I'd ranted about it. He availed himself fairly well for what he's getting paid. Okay? There, there's a dollar-to-value ratio here that you have to pay attention to. Nobody thinks that he's like John Elway reincarnate or anything like that. The Bears fans have even shut up about that now. He's not nearly as good as people thought that he was last year. We have a good sense of what his value is. Probably a reasonable backup. I don't think he's going to be out of work for long if he was cut. Somebody's going to sign him. It's not going to be for $8 million with another team, though. I, I, with the, the, you got a first round of probably five quarterbacks 
coming in this draft. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is going to get a job. I'm putting this very, very mildly. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is going to get the full-in nod to start this season with any team. Nobody's going to give him that. If that's the case, then $8 million for a backup is pretty good. I'd even suggest, why not just extend him? If you don't want to pay him $8 million, give him 13 over 2 or something like that. It's probably still better than what he's going to get in the market. It's up to him whether he wants to sign it or not. But your, your thoughts on the backup quarterbacks, Trubisky in particular, is this the right value for a team like Pittsburgh? Well, I, I think it is considering how he's played when he's been in there, right? I think your point about Trubisky and his comfortability in the offense, I think is well taken. I think that's the reason why you'd be comfortable paying him that kind of money as a backup, yeah. right? Trubisky is another guy, again, another ACC quarterback that yep. I watched in college that, you know, I didn't really understand why he was rated the way that he was coming out of right? school. I didn't I, get I it. I didn't see um, anything from him that was like, I definitely want to draft this guy. I was like, eh, no, <laughs> no, thanks. no. And, and, you know, and the numbers back this up too. He wasn't even really as good as the prior starter, Marquise Williams, who didn't really have an NFL career. So, the, yep. you know, the way that he was kind of talked about coming out of school really didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So, I mean, I think the reason why Trubisky is viewed the way that he is is because of where he was drafted. You know, I think if he was taken as like a second or a third round pick, I think people would look at his career and say, you know what, he's been a fine player because he has been a fine player, right? He just hasn't been a top five pick good, right, type of quarterback. So I think for the Steelers, I think, you know, I think it's right in in the range. I think you, you pay him around seven or eight million and have him be the backup on the roster. Is he going to be happy with that? I'm not sure. I think he views himself probably as a starter in the league, whether or not that's true. I mean, I think you and I both kind of reside in the same spot. I think he's a fine serviceable backup. I think he could start some places, you know, to kind of be the guy to kind of hold the position over until another young guy takes it over. So he could find himself in another situation that he was just in with the Steelers where he makes a little bit of money plays for like half a season. And then, you know, kind of moves aside for the first round pick, right? For the next quarterback in line. I think that's the type of career Trubisky's going to have. He's going to make plenty of money. He's going to be a guy who's going to be relied upon. He could play probably well into his 30s um, because of that, right? And I think that's a fine place to be in the NFL. Trubisky, I thought, played well for the Steelers when he was in. But as soon as they took Kenny Pickett last year in the first round, you knew that eventually it was going to be his team. So even with what they paid Trubisky in the offseason. So I was not surprised that Pickett took over. I think the reason why you keep Trubisky on the roster is for the reason you said, because, you know, Pickett suffered two concussions within about a six or seven week span. The one thing I will say about Kenny Pickett is that, you know, those two concussions aside, like over his the course of his collegiate career, he was a pretty healthy quarterback, didn't really miss a whole lot of time. He did run a lot, though, and he didn't take the hits in college that he's starting to take in the NFL. So I think he's got to be a bit smarter with how he runs the football. I think that's something he needs to improve upon. Um, guys in college don't necessarily hit the way guys in the pros do, right? Um, yep. Yeah, outside the pocket, you can get away with some stuff in college. You can't get away with the professional level. I think Pickett, unfortunately, found that out the hard way. So Pickett, by and large, has been pretty healthy over the course of his career. I think if he avoids some of those hits in the running game, you know, going into year two, I think he'll be able to stay on the field for longer periods of time. He's not injury prone, I guess, is what I'm getting at. So, you know, if you want to save some money, you know, and and kind of let Trubisky go and you want to save some money and, and pay Mason Rudolph because he's been there a while too. 
I think that's a fine course of action as well because of Pickett's lack of real injury history outside of these two concussions. But it depends on how the front office kind of views this, right, moving forward. Is Pickett going to be healthy enough to stay on the field? If they view it as we don't think he's going to get hurt too often, maybe you save a little bit of money, right, and, and let Trubisky go. If you feel like, you know, Pickett's going to be a little bit more of an injury liability because of his running style and the things that he does outside the pocket, then maybe you keep Trubisky on because Trubisky does certainly have more upside, in my opinion, than Mason Rudolph. But I just think that's an area where you could potentially save some money so I can see both sides of it. I get the money piece of it. I just think to, to some degree, we're talking about deck chairs on the Titanic here. I mean, it, it's, it's a couple million dollars. Everything we've heard, and we haven't heard it directly, which is in a weird way how you know it's true, but everything we've heard is that Mason Rudolph is pissed. He wants nothing to do with the Steelers moving forward, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm fine with that. I get that. I, I, did, I would get that. You, you just think that you know it's time to explore another opportunity. I think both sides can see that. I think that's what the, the Steelers said. What, they, they gave Rudolph an extension, so they kind of gave him the, the driver's seat to take the job when – Ben Roethlisberger retired. He had a start for the Steelers, which is something that Kenny Pickett did not have. Um, obviously, Trubisky didn't have it. And back then, RIP, Dwayne Haskins was on the team as well. He thought it would, we, we talked about this on the show quite a bit. It, we thought he was going to be the, the main competition. Uh, he would have been the, the, the front runner, considering the experience that he had, uh, the arm talent that he had. He could have been the guy. That didn't work out that way. They had signed Trubisky anyway. It was obvious that their plan was to have, I don't know, a free-for-all for the quarterback position uh, leading into last season. It ended up where it ended up. None of it's a surprise. Rudolph's had enough. He wants out. Fine. Um, I, I, am, I would bet largely on Rudolph getting a job somewhere else as well. Yep. Um, it, the main thing people need to realize when it comes to a backup quarterback, it's, they're not signing them for the sake of, well, if our guy goes down, he can come in the real value of a backup quarterback is preparing the starter to play 17 games. It, it's if he has to play that sucks because you don't want your starter to have to, to not have to play. You want to have one guy and go with that. Your backup is there to help. They're, they're an assistant coach in a way. Um, when you have started games in the league, you're somebody of value. You know how many times Blake Bortles got looks after he left Jacksonville? Yep. A lot. Yep. And that's not because they felt they could, you know, turn him into the player that, that they hoped he could be when he was drafted four overall or whatever that was. It's because he started games. He has experience. He knows what to look for. It's another voice. And then yes, you know, in, if for insurance, if the, the unthinkable happens, um, <clears throat> Rudolph and Trubisky are not great talents. They're not great players, but they are experienced quarterbacks and they will be in the league for probably at least another two seasons. In my opinion, I think this is a good question. Oddly enough, um, I said last year Brissett was going to be the guy the Steelers went after, not Trubisky. Um, touchdown wires, Doug Farrar and I got into that pretty aggressively in this space. Um, Doug kept telling me repeatedly, they're going to sign Trubisky. They're going to sign Trubisky. And I was all but swearing at Doug during the show and yelling at him about how wrong he was. And first text I got after I got the alert, the Steelers signed Mitch Trubisky was from Doug. He'll enjoy this part. Um, Josh Dobbs, I, I think Dobbs earned himself at least one other season in the NFL, and you're happy for him. Did a great job in Tennessee uh, for what they asked him to do. He is limited physically. Um, I think Tennessee, though, 
has ample reason to want to keep Dobbs on their team. And as of now, they control him. Are you familiar with Dobbs and Brissett? What, what do you think of them? Saw Dobbs play. I mean, going back to Virginia Tech, I saw Dobbs yep. play at the Battle of Bristol, um, that big game at the racetrack um, against Virginia Tech, and he played very well. And he was a pretty good college quarterback, pretty serviceable, right? And to your point, you know, obviously played for the Steelers, has familiarity. I get why there would be intrigue to bring him back, but I'm with you. I mean, I think Tennessee is going to want him back in fold as the backup. So I would be surprised if, you know, he wasn't on the Titans roster, at least for training camp. The main thing I see with Brissett, you've got the experience. Um, he is going to follow a very similar career arc, I think, to Trubisky. So in a way, this yeah. is a fair question. Um I would dispute flatly um, the idea that they are quote much cheaper one, because I don't think 6 million is all that much less than, than 8 million. Right. Uh, it means a hell of a lot to Brissett, but as far as the team goes, <laughs> right. no, not really. Um, deck chairs in the Titanic. You're going to pay a little bit of a premium to get the guy that you want. And that's how the market escalates. And this is why these guys are getting paid, um, you know, above the average running back in the NFL you want to have comfort with your quarterback. I don't think the Steelers are dead in the water if they don't sign Trubisky. I just think top to bottom, it makes the most sense to lock him into an extension. You've got a young quarterback. I, I agree with you top to bottom. Pickett has not been – he's not missed significant time over the years uh, with, with injury. But he got two concussions in seven weeks. Yeah. Ask Tua what happens to you after you get your first concussion. You're not defended better the next time. Your body doesn't make itself stronger in that regard. You don't know. But either way, do you want a second-year quarterback with with a a rookie backup? No team structures itself like that. To me, a a backup quarterback is a top-20 roster position. I think you should have an investment in that. If it's $8 million versus five, I really don't think that's going to make the difference between going to the playoffs and winning four games. You know, I, I, I I don't think it's that specific. But I don't know. I'm not against Dobbs. I'm not against Brissett. I just think Trubisky is the one who's been there the most recently. It's worth it. If he doesn't want to sign an extension, though, I'd cut him. I would not keep him for one season. I don't think that makes any sense. You've got to find your new backup. Maybe that is Brissett or Dobbs. Maybe they want to sign a two or maybe three-year deal. Um, We'll we'll see how that plays out. Um, Uh, Neil, real quick. Brissett's the higher higher ceiling player than Dobbs, but I could see the argument for bringing in Dobbs over Brissett just in this, like, isolated – example just kind of remove Trubisky from it for a second yeah I could understand making the argument for Dobbs because he's been there before right he's got experience in the system right but Brissett's the better quarterback so it's just kind of like I agree how much how much money are you going to are you going to pay these guys to what it comes down to in my opinion I think you just rather have Trubisky he's been in the building I think it, overall, my thought is it, like I said I, I thought Brissett was the guy they were going to sign right. uh, last year um, in fact, back at the old place, the, the uh, network I was working on last year, we drew up a graphic of uh, we, we had a, <laughs> a not very pleasant name, but it was in, insulting in a way. It was supposed to be the, the Steelers quarterback room, which would have been just a total disaster. <laughs> Brissette, um, I think we threw in some random rookie that they'd have to sign probably after the draft. Rudolph, it just it was depressed. I think we called it like the depressing room or something like that. But uh, Brissett's the guy that I thought they had as a backup. I, I he veiled himself pretty well in Cleveland. Um, 
better year than Deshaun Watson did. Yep. I, don't, I don't know if Cleveland wants to let him go after that. They might yep. uh, they might end up re-signing him. Let's switch gears, though. I want to get into to the Super Bowl here a little bit. Um, that game is going on this weekend, in case people have not heard. Uh, it is the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles. These are two teams, Mike. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but two teams that over the course of the last two seasons have combined kicked the hell out of the Steelers three times. Once this season by Philadelphia, I don't remember the score. If somebody can help me out, that would be great. I believe I stopped watching it about 89 to six or something like that. It wasn't worth it anymore. I like this matchup. I think this is good for the NFL. I think these are two teams that have earned it throughout the season, uh, very different ways, but they're teams that constructed themselves through a multitude of ways. Uh, they're not just one thing. They're not one trick ponies. They have star players all over their rosters. Uh, they have guys outperforming rookie contracts. They have veterans playing very well that were brought in via free agency. Uh, it, it's it's a fun matchup to this. I, I don't want to dive immediately into the picks, but what, what do you think of the matchup between these two teams? It's really good. I, I think a lot of people were disappointed um, to a degree because so many people like Joe Burrow, right? So I think a lot of people just were nah, pulling for Burrow, it felt like, on social media anyway, which, you know. It's only a small, small piece of actual reality, but it did feel like a lot of people were pulling for Burrow. Yeah. The one thing I will say is like, these were the two, if you watch the NFL this year and all these listeners did, these were the two best teams for most of the year, right? And I mean, the bills were good and, you know, you can make the argument that, you know, the Eagles were sliding in and out, but they were probably the best team in football, like not just the NFC in football for most of the year. Right. Um, this is a great matchup for the NFL. I agree with you, Neil. And I think if you're just like a run in the mill football fan who, you know, has your favorite team you root for, but really just likes watching good football. I mean, I think this is definitely the Super Bowl for you. These are two really evenly matched teams. There's going to be a couple key matchups in my opinion, that's going to decide the game one way or another. Um, two quarterbacks that were playing at an MVP level this year, right? So an excellent quarterback matchup, speed all over the field. Um, the Eagles front seven is really good. The, the Chiefs defense, I know it's, you know, if we're looking at this game and you're trying to look for like, what's the weakness in this game? I mean, the Chiefs defense is probably the the one unit you look at and you're like, okay, that's probably a weakness, but they've played well in the playoffs. So these are two really good teams, a good coaching matchup, right? With seeing what Sirianni's done and we know what Andy Reid is, you know, an excellent coach. So this is, this is a great matchup. I think for football fans, I think it's really, really good for the NFL, despite what, you know, maybe some people thought of it coming out of championship weekend. I think more than anything, this is what Steelers fans are looking at this game as this is Javon Hargrave versus Juju Smith Schuster two uh, two departed former Steelers players that drew Ample amount of fan praise, one reason or another, no longer on the Steelers. One of them will have a ring. It's not as uh, brutal, I think, as um, Antonio Brown versus, it was it Emmanuel Sanders, who was the other yeah. Steeler a couple of years ago. Uh, one of them was going to get, or it, it was Bell. It was Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Bell on the Chiefs and, and uh, uh, Brown on the Bucks. Yeah. Um, this one's a little bit more likable. So if anything, this is kind of the, the, the converse of that among Steelers fans. But for me, for pure football, I really wish San Francisco had a better shot. I, for me, the, the Super Bowl in my mind was was Philadelphia versus San Francisco. Yeah, I would have loved to watch that game played straight up. Look, nothing the Eagles can do about it. I'm not complaining. Things happen that way. Uh, unfortunately, it would have been a lot of fun. But Philadelphia is a great team. Um, I've loved watching them play. You know, I'm going to ask you off the cuff question. Um, 
I'll do the promo break here in a second. Yeah. Um, go back to August. Who did you pick to win the Super Bowl? Be honest. Or who was who was playing in the Super Bowl and who won that game? Your prediction in August. <laughs> I mean, my my prediction was probably going to be Chiefs over Cowboys, if you can believe it. Um, because I did I did think yeah. that Dak would be yeah. a lot better. I did like Dallas's roster a lot. All jokes and memes aside, like I did think this was one of the better rosters that Dallas had in a long time. Just kind of fell flat on its face because of how the offense underperformed, in my opinion. Well, um, and I was waffling between Chiefs and Bills. That far, yeah. And I I was I was waffling between Chiefs and Bills, um, but you know, Chiefs ultimately was my pick. I just I have a hard time betting against Mahomes. It's tough. It's tough. You would not have been largely successful unless. Mahomes has kind of become the anti-ATS hero to this yeah. point. He's he, he, You're going to win a lot betting against him not to cover just because yeah. people still want that team to be the, this big play explosion-based. They're just not that. And the, right. nothing they've done this season suggests they're even trying to be that. Right. They got rid of Tyreek Hill. They wanted to reinvent how they played football. And they obviously have been uh, successful to, to some degree. So um, I will admit this to everybody here just because this is my church. I'm at the pulpit. I got nothing but honesty for everybody. I picked the Philadelphia Eagles, got it in writing, uh, to beat the uh, Baltimore Ravens in, uh, in the Super Bowl. That did not go very well for Lamar me. Lamar getting hurt. Why, well, why I thought Lamar was going to play the whole season. Whatever's going to happen with that, and buckle up, that's going to be – that's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know what direction that's going to go, except he's going to get tagged, but that doesn't mean he's going to end up playing for the Ravens this season. Other Super Bowl picks, drop them in the comments. Let's hear them. This is the New Standard Podcast. I am Neil Kulong. I'm being joined by Mike McDaniel of Sports Illustrated. We are talking Super Bowl. We are talking Steelers. We are talking one of the best weekends of the year, whether your team is involved or not. You've probably gotten over the bitterness by now, unless you are, of course, uh, San Francisco or Cincinnati. You're over it. You're watching football. It's going uh, to be a fantastic weekend. We're glad to be here. Lance Williams, of course, is off on assignment once again. We're going to get into picks here, though, Mike, and I'm going I'm to put you on the spot, and I will probably mention this in our Slack channel. I'll go first, though, okay? I'm taking the Eagles to win this game. I think it will be competitive, but it will feel like Philadelphia kind of controlled it throughout. I think they just have uh, too many dudes. They've got too much depth. They can go deep in packages on both offense and defense. Kansas City is a very good team, a very well-coached team. They just don't have enough to make the one or two more big plays that I think Philadelphia is going to be able to, offense and defense. I've got the Eagles winning this. 31-27. What say you? So when the betting lines opened after conference championship weekend, I saw the Chiefs were about a two-point underdog, and then I saw it bet down to like one and a half. It's just kind of stayed there, right? They've been between a one and one and a half point underdog. I was thinking, man, that's pretty good value. But then you think a little bit more about it. The, the Eagles' front seven – and the way they've performed all year and all throughout the playoffs, you can say what you want about who they've faced and kind of how things have kind of fallen their way, how the chips have fallen in the playoffs, but they've been consistent all year. Like the front seven has been the best in football. They've given quarterbacks hell. 
I think what really is going to decide this football game, Neil, that there are a couple things, right? Number one, can they keep Mahomes inside the pocket, right? I think if the Eagles keep Mahomes inside the pocket, I don't think Kansas City has enough playmakers. It sounds ridiculous to say this, but I don't think Kansas City has enough playmakers to give Mahomes the time he needs, right? And, and I agree. you know, make the plays down the field. And it sounds crazy what Travis Kelsey's done and and not having Nicole Hardman in this game is gigantic, in my opinion. You know, I think if he plays, maybe, you know, you have that guy, you have that playmaker. A lot of onus is going to be on Juju Smith Schuster to make some plays, right? As yep. you know, step into a <laughs> step into a much here, bigger role. I mean, if um, that's what you've got going up against Philadelphia with the with Philadelphia's offense waiting in the wings, you need to possess the ball. You need to, to make big plays down the field. Juju wasn't signed to do that. Come right. on, <laughs> you know. And yeah. it's you know, I'm not blaming anybody or trying to make fun of him. Uh, Hardman's injury is going to kill him. Ultimately, it's going to kill, kill him. You'll see that in the second half. They're just not going to be able to do much, and and Philadelphia will pull away. It's huge. Yeah, it's 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 a huge injury. So my initial thought was like, oh, I love the Chiefs. And then you think about, you take a step back, you're like, all right, Hertz has been great all year, right? He's been awesome. But like in the quarterback matchup, do you want Mahomes or do you want Hertz? And the answer is, I want Mahomes. And then you look at it from a coaching standpoint, do you want Reed? Do you want Sirianni? My answer is, I want Andy Reed. Even taking that aside, it's just like looking at the personnel like in totality and who the Chiefs are missing with Hardman and the way the Eagles front seven has performed. I'm going to have a hard time betting against the Eagles now. I haven't officially put a bet in. I'm probably going to be betting the Eagles now in this game. I have flipped my pick in the span of a week, just kind of stepping back, thinking a little bit more about it, thinking about the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, and then realizing that Jalen Hurts has been every bit as good this year um, and, and kind of what they've done offensively and how well-rounded they are. I, I tend to agree with you. I, I do think that it's going to be a close game, but I do feel like the Eagles are going to be able to, to control things. I just think they have more ways to score. I think their defense is more well-rounded. I do think this is the game where the Chiefs defense does get, finally get exposed a little bit, um, which it's been tough this postseason. Yeah. They've played pretty well, but I think this is the game where job. they finally get exposed. So, just, yeah, it's just I'm, a player with the Eagles. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a massive – the, the Eagles aren't going to gain 500 yards, I don't think. No, I don't think but so. They're, they're just going to get a, a big play or two um, that, that's going to separate them. They're, they're going to be able to hang on to the ball a little bit longer. I will say this. My favorite bet leading into the Super Bowl, MVP, Javon Hargrave, plus 25,000. If you're a betting type, I have no reason to think you should go for that. But uh, I just One big play. Funny. You mentioned one yeah, big exactly. play. Exactly. Hey, it, it's it, – <laughs> I, I was listening to uh, uh, the Extra Points podcast uh, with Dave Damashek, um this morning at the gym, and they were going over Super Bowl MVPs and how kind of weird it's been and how the, exactly that's been voted on. But the defensive players who have won have usually been in, in one-sided games in which that one defensive player made like two plays. <laughs> so, yeah. hey, you never know. It's crazy. Um I, I hope it's the case just for fun. I, I don't, I'm not encouraging anybody to bet any amount of money based on anything that I say ever at any point, but um, I would like to see Javon Hargrave be the Super Bowl MVP. That would be, that would make the game complete for me. Um, that's pretty much going to wrap it up here though. The Chief, I, I got to give you a score though, real quick. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, Chief, sorry. I, I do. Th- I also think the chiefs are going to have a hard time defending Dallas Goddard. Right. So if you're looking for kind yep. of value with the Super Bowl MVP, you know, if Goddard gets in the end zone a couple of times, yeah, he is uh a South Dakota State product. We don't like Goddard in that regard, but <laughs> yeah, hell of a player. Um, fun to watch. I, I, he, what his his uh, 
catch over under is is four and a half. I'd like that too. They'll get him the ball five times. I don't I don't see how they couldn't want to to get him involved in some way. Yeah, especially with how the Chiefs have had trouble defending tight yeah. ends. I just, oh, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I think Eagles win this game. I'm gonna go something like 28-24. I think 28-24. It's, yeah, Good. relatively like low scoring. Win by a t- inside a touchdown. Um, might be a back maybe maybe like a backdoor. You know, you, you never know. It could be like a backdoor cover situation with you know. Somebody scores late, who knows? But I, I do think it's going to be within four or five points. I, I agree. I just I don't see either team blowing the other one out. I think they're both good enough where a team can control the game and control the tempo of the game where it feels like they, they might have won by a lot or kind of like what you pointed out, maybe a late touchdown uh, from Kansas City. I, just, I think Philadelphia is just too much uh, for four quarters. They're a really tough four-quarter team to beat. Um, so I picked the Eagles. Special guest Mike McDaniel, Sports Illustrated, picked the Eagles. Lance, of course, the butt that he is, is going to be – oh, he just chimes in at the same time too. Uh, he is going to be the contrarian and pick the Chiefs 31-28. to 28. Some more Magic Mahomes coming out. I don't blame him for thinking that. I, I, Mahomes yeah. is, is the, the better passer of the two. It's going to be hard if he's hot to keep him under 400 yards and a team throwing for 400 yards in an even game is usually the team that's going to win. So yep. I, I, I'm not against that. I, you know, I have my reasons for Philadelphia. I, I'm really not sure. I think that's probably the, the similar sentiment for a lot of people, which is why uh, the line is Philadelphia one and a half. Minus yep. one and a half. Yeah, they can't keep him inside. If they can't keep Mahomes inside the pocket, I mean, yep. I, all bets are off. I mean, I don't, you know, you can flip a coin, really. I mean, two mat like a couple matchups are going to decide this entire thing. And yep, I, can see I agree. Going either direction, and that's 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 great football, in my yep. opinion. Plus, Mahomes probably went to like Germany in the time off here and got stem cell therapy on his on his high ankle sprain. <laughs> He'll yeah, come back twice fine. as fast as he was, and we'll see what happens then. But um, thanks for joining me, Mike. I appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That was Mike McDaniel of Sports Illustrated joining me, Neil Kulong, here on a special edition of the New Standard Podcast, special in the sense that Lance Williams is not on assignment. I think this was the longest show that I've done without Lance, so I feel like dizzy. I'm in weird territory, so we're just going to end it now. Next week, Wednesday, Super Bowl recap. We're going to start highlighting all of the Steelers' positions, all of their pending free agents, everything that you love about the NFL business season, the new standard, 10, excuse me, 10, 15 a.m. Eastern Wednesday, 7, 15 Pacific. Please join in. Thanks for listening. You all have a good day.